you know, I've been around not as long as Diana, but I've been certainly been around for quite a long time, and it, it really worries me that we're almost become the our definitions of everything are becoming narrower and narrower. Yeah. So our definitions of what is normal is yeah. narrower. Our definition of what's female is, is narrower. Def, mm. You know, so gender is becoming more fragmented because we're we're narrowing the definitions more and more. Um, and you, no, you're, you're you're absolutely right. It's like we're with this constant propaganda about this is supposed to be what we're all aspiring to. Mm. The reality is most people don't. That's the thing. It's a fantasy. It's like models, isn't it? Yeah. It's like it's like fashion models. You know, this completely unreal picture mm. of, of you know, idealized physicality that, that you know doesn't really exist in real life. Gorilla Aspie's podcast, written, recorded, and produced by Paul Wadey. Hello, and welcome to the third Gorilla Aspie's podcast. This edition comes to you from the end of March 2020, which for many listeners was the time when the world was shut down by a virus it did not have a vaccine against. So far, many people have died all over the world. How many may have been saved, or at least saved, had those who transmitted the virus to them been vaccinated? We will never know. If we consider the nature of my first podcast with our protest at the Vax2 screening in London in January 2020, you will realise that the whole event had far more relevance than we were able to imagine then. What amounted to a coming together of brave autistic people against a cult, which was defining us as a kind as merely the result of brain damage, has become something else. A prescient statement on the importance of vaccination. My wife and I are at home at the present and are well and we await what the future brings without any real protection. So on to the podcast. This podcast is an interview that I conducted over Skype with my friend Dr. Catriona Ann Stewart, one lone Scottish autistic parent who created the magnificent Scottish Women's Autism Network. Diagnosed in later life, Dr. Catriona has, as you will find, changed the lives of many fellow autistic females with her work. And before I introduce Dr. Catriona, I have to explain that there is a reference in the recording to my performing at the Edinburgh Festival in August 2020. Well, I've had to cancel that. I'll be there next year, 2021, but I don't want to leave my diabetic wife alone during this time. I'd rather be with her for that period, which is a great pity. And I'm not sure the whole thing's going to happen this year anyway. That's still being debated as of the end of March. Dr. Catriona has a huge CV. She founded the Scottish Women's Autism Network, or SWAN, in 2012 after completing her PhD research which focused on the experiences of anxiety for Asperger girls. SWAN has grown to run online peer support forums, regular meetups across Scotland face-to-face, including for young SWANs aged 15 to 17, and learning event conferences. SWAN offers training and professional support across sectors. Catriona has delivered training, presentations, conference papers and workshops over many years and to a wide range of context, of context, on context, professionals, organisations, charities, parents, groups and local authority staff. You name them, she's taught them. 
Now, with a tendency to sign up for academic or training courses, whenever a small gap appears in her calendar, Catriona has, over the years, collected a range of degrees and other qualifications which really impress some people, and they should, because she's worked for them. For example, a Bachelor's of Art and Honours in Fine Art, a Postgraduate Certificate in Community Work, a Postgraduate Diploma in Western Herbal Medicine, Postgraduate Diploma Gender Studies, and a Master of Science in Diagnostic Issues in Autism. All this in a PhD. Boy, she gets bored. Like many autistic people, she's also had an eclectic mix of jobs. From two years as a full-time paid students' union officer, I think she was president of the students' union, she mentions that, wherever she was, uh, and politician in that field, to working for nine years within film and TV art departments, to being a health clinician, to teaching, university lecturing, student mentoring, and probably fighting crime in her spare time, but she won't admit to it. Catriona contributes... Contributed to the collection of essays Spectrum Women, published by Jessica Kingsley Publishing in 2018, which was listed by The Independent as their 2009 time, 2019 Hash One Best Buy book on autism. And then she was included in the Queen's New Year's Honours list in 2020 and got an OBE. The hell else is a woman supposed to do? Fly? Um, I have to say, Paul, when. The news of me getting an OB uh, became public. I was almost overwhelmed by the positive response. And I kind of knew that Swan, you know, that we were having some impact. I had absolutely no idea of the, 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 the scope of it. I mean, I, I really spent a lot of time crying, actually, because I was just so moved um, by the mm. things that people were saying and... Um, the congratulations coming from all over the place. I had a really beautiful message from a young autistic man from South Korea, and, and apparently it's been spread in Hebrew on some Israeli kind of Facebook page yes. as well. And I, I think I just, I think I just hadn't. So, so many people were so happy because they felt it belonged to them as well. It was like this OB was for them quite rightly. You know, this is a recognition of the work that we're doing, the work that mm. I'm doing, but the work that everyone's doing. Mm. All the all the all the kind of you know the selfless generous um uh, you know input that all the women who are involved are sworn on a voluntary yeah. basis to keep it running you know it's for them all our allies all our kind of colleagues all the people that have supported swan and some of them are actually men and some of them yeah. and some yeah. of them aren't autistic you know yeah. it's, it's like and it was just it was lovely and like i say almost overwhelming but in a kind of Really, in a very positive way, obviously. Mm. So, yeah. It's interesting you say not all men, not all autistic, because this is a universal human experience. This isn't just some niche thing. You go around calling it a disorder and a disability. You mind telling me how you can relate and so many people can care and feel. And it is such an issue that human beings are seen as human beings rather than the collection of boring cliches of a condition. Exactly. Because as I was saying to Diana, and I'll say this to everyone, how do you cross-reference OCD, ADHD, anxiety, dyspraxia with personality, character, intelligence, and maturity? Which, exactly. Yeah. I mean, people, people, you know, I had a conversation with someone recently who was saying, who said, um, oh, it's so wonderful, the work that you're doing, you know, I mean, these poor children, I mean, they suffer so terribly. And I went... I don't really suffer from autism. She went, no, 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 I'm talking about the children the with autism. And I'm going, yes, I know you are. And I'm just saying to you, and she just kept saying, but you're not autistic. And I kept going, am I not? <laughs> and, she, and she finally went, are you? And I said, 
well, yes. And she said, oh, my goodness, how did you manage to overcome? I mean, I'm an adult. I'm an autistic adult. You know, autism is something that's fixed. You know, we're, we're human beings who are exactly right, Paul. We're human beings. We have personalities. We have abilities. We have challenges. But we develop. It's a developmental difference. Yeah. We develop, we grow, yeah. we learn skills, or we don't yeah. learn skills. But, you know, we're not all the same. And it's not all fixed in tablets of stone for yeah. the minute you're born. We're, we're um, yeah. yeah. You're absolutely right. It's this thing about you meet people like that and they want all these disabled children to develop social skills and overcover autism, un- overcome autism, overcome in which case autism. they'd end up like you and me. And then they'd be like, oh, you're not autistic. Because it's a very American thing, isn't it? Recovered from autism. Well, what are you? If, if you're autistic, you know, like, like an autistic, what are you? You know, it's like, oh, you're Same cured. Thing. Yeah. Yeah, no, the Americans in particular seem to be really quite obsessed with this idea of teaching autistic children social skills. I, I saw, I witnessed um, the scariest research presentation I've ever seen in my life at Autism Europe Congress in Nice in last September. And honestly, I have never in my entire life felt so much like going and crawling into a corner of the room yeah, with my head yeah. over my hands, rocking in despair. This man who's a really well-known academic, Amy yeah. Clinton, gave this frightening presentation. And because he had lots of kind of eye-tracking videos and things, it was all smoke and mirrors, and people were really impressed. And I was going, but I'm sorry, but he's asking the wrong questions. And what he's doing is selling a product. And that product is, let's identify babies as soon as they're born, and then we will sell this training. And he actually said, we will sell this training to mothers, Mm -hmm. not to parents or adults. We'll sell this. We will train Mm -hmm. them to intensively socialize these babies. And I was just sitting there, oh, my God. Is he from Stepford by any chance? Oh, quite possibly. Yes, because if really ever there was scary. an example of the Stepford Wives, that's it. Yeah, yeah, really Be- scary. Have you noticed this constant implication that there is a right way to be? There is a right way to relate and feel? Yeah. yeah. I haven't found I, I, it yet. Well, well, I want a list of things to adhere to. Well, well that's, very, that's very concrete <laughs> thinking of you, Paul. I've got this condition. Do I have to feel it? Do I have to empathize? It's ridiculous. If you, if you watch the contemporary Hollywood and the films that come out, you, you tend to get one school of television uh, and one school of film is a certain sort of purebred Aryan standard of handling life. And then they try to break that down. In the 1970s, films like Dog Day Afternoon, and we had uh, 60s social realism, kitchen sink drama, woman in a dressing gown. And it's all this thing about, this is how the real world is. This is how life truly is. But what you were also watching was the form of propaganda, that uh, actors are paid to uh, portray a scheme of things in a frame of reference that people want to buy into and say, yeah, yeah, that's something I wish to subscribe to, how a human being can behave. You know, and we were watching the Open University. It's and it's interesting because uh, in my, cause I'm an old I'm an old bat. You know, I've been around not as long as Dinah, but I've been certainly been around for quite a long time. And it, it really worries me that we're almost become the our definitions of everything are becoming narrower and narrower. Yeah. So our definitions of what is normal is yeah. narrower. Our definition of what is female is is narrower. Mm. Def, you know. So gender is becoming more fragmented because we're we're narrowing the definitions more and more. Um, and you, no, you're, you're you're absolutely right. It's like we're with this constant propaganda about this is supposed to be what we're all aspiring to. Mm. The reality, reality is most people don't. That's the thing. It's a fantasy. It's like models, isn't it? Yeah. It's like it's like fashion models. You know, this completely unreal picture mm. of, of you know, idealized physicality that, that you know doesn't really exist in real life. 
Anyway, so one <laughs> thing I want just have to mention in this yes. context of this bit of conversation is, of course, the, the research that was carried out by Catherine Crompton at right. Edinburgh University, which is a very small study, but it was really clear. It was very, very beautifully designed. And basically what it showed is, in summary, that... Um, neurotypical people tend to communicate quite well with neurotypical people. Yeah. Autistic people communicate actually better with autistic people than right. neurotypical people do with each other. Yeah. So autistics actually communicate extremely well with each other. And the problem is the interface between one kind of way of communicating and the other way of communicating. Yeah. So it's not even true that we have a communication um, deficit. Yeah. We have a communication deficit when we're talking to people who aren't like us. Mm. And that, of course, is where SWAN comes into it and all our pure meetup groups because nice. it is as simple as putting a bunch of women in a room together, but it's much, much more complex because what actually happens mm. is that women meet other women who they don't mm. have to really make an effort to communicate yeah. with in the same way, possibly sometimes for the first time in their lives, and the impact on their self-identity and their sense of self-esteem is absolutely profound. Yeah. And it is a beautiful beautiful thing to, to watch. Very, very is, moving. It is a beautiful thing to experience and be in the space when people are that free. Yeah. And it they, is a beautiful thing yeah. to experience as well. I've just read a book, actually, yeah. Um. um Catherine May's The Electricity of Every Living yes, Thing. Yes, yes. You know, she, she's her own person. She has her own voice. She has her own experiences. Many of them will be very different from mine. But yeah. I honestly felt like like the thoughts in my head, the feelings in my heart were actually being laid out in paper and black and white by mm. this other human being. And it was just like, oh, my God. Yeah. I didn't know anyone else in the world felt like that yeah. about being a new mother, for example, wow. um, there's a lot of things about my life that I still haven't shared with anyone. And then yeah. when I when I hear or see my lived experiences being reflected by someone mm. else, it is. It's a fantastic thing. You just go, oh, my God, I'm not the only one who feels like that or felt like yeah. that or experienced yeah. that. And, yeah, it's wonderful. This is, yeah. you know, I mean, there, are, there is a school of thought that says we can't feel emotions and we can't love. <laughs> Well, you know, I'm just going to kind of get, you know. <laughs> just, just, just wrap that one up now, please. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I've just wrapped up. I hope it wasn't valuable. <laughs> Oops. You went, this is just a right, note to self. Feel emotions this morning. How did it all begin that you discovered you were on the spectrum? Well, um, I did a master's degree way back that I completed in 2004 yeah. on a series of etiology and controversies around diagnosis of autism. Didn't yeah. twig. Yeah. Didn't twig. And so I was researching for about two years. Never occurred to me. Then I was lecturing um, on a BSc course at Edinburgh Napier University yes. and they gave me to do my PhD oh. um, to, stay, you know, to carry on my research into autism. And... Um, I was doing, so I don't know, a lot of people don't realise this, that a PhD is actually quite an intensive training course as much as anything else. So the first year I was doing a lot of training. I was training in researching with children, the ethics around that, for example. Um, uh, But also to say, anyway, I was doing this course, which was a a partnership course between Edinburgh and Napier and the National Autistic Society called Theory and Practice. And it's how you apply the theory of autism into actually working with, of course, all young autistic people. Yes. and it just suddenly twigged. I just, I just suddenly, oh my god, this isn't, this isn't actually something that's just an academic exercise. This is, this is my family. This is, mm. this is my dad. 
you know, I mean, a lot of things began to slot into place. So that's really when it started. So that Mm. would have been about 2005, 2006. I didn't actually pursue, so I finished my PhD, Mm. got my Viva in 2011. I started SWAN, Scottish Women's Autism Network, in 2012. And I didn't actually go for my own diagnosis till uh, 2013. Right. my diagnosis so you, and I didn't tell well, anyone about the outcome for quite a long time wow well, um, and, and even even um, yeah. so like my, my co-founder the, the woman who was my right hand woman if you like for the first mm. few years of Swan mm. she was quite anxious about me she knew I was going for an assessment she was quite anxious about it because she, yeah. she said but what if he says you're not yeah. I went well he's not going to say I'm not because I am <laughs> <laughs> and he went, what but, but what if he says no and he says Listen to me. I'm an expert in autism. Yeah. I know I'm autistic. <laughs> but I know what she meant. I mean, and, you know, and luckily I went to someone that I already knew and trusted. And I yeah. know he was way ahead of the game in terms of identifying girls and women, which is why I knew he was the person to go to. And he's also very, very thorough. And he's a, he does forensics. So he kind of always puts together a report that he feels he could defend in a court of law if he had to. So very thorough. I was, I was with him for like a day and a half. And, yes. you know. Great. So, so already yeah. we, we've located a great deal though that you had to have particular individual knew what they're talking about there was a genuine danger that the clinician or the individual might not recognize your human nature and pass you off as something completely different like um, a very high functioning intelligent woman you've got iws intelligent woman syndrome you can't yes. possibly be <laughs> one of those people who, who goes around in circles and gets obsessive and has all this weird energy and has all these problems with the sensory environment you have absolutely no sense of of your own bravery and let's face it bravery has got because uh, Grandin said the main emotion in autism is fear and i think from that the main uh, experience of coping with that fear is bravery and I, and I think everything that you've described yourself doing so far only an autistic person particularly a woman could understand uh, what you've been through and what you've been doing Dinah now in her 70s didn't even think about it because she she's just so taken it for, and you must meet a lot of women who just walk in and take for granted they're going to be in one more bloody situation and then discover in Swan they're not it's cool appreciate that actually yeah yeah, I think that's right I think I think we as autistic people are constantly having to challenge ourselves Mm. and 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 continue to act despite our fears and our our anxieties and that constant feeling of you know am I going to get it wrong today am I going to get that rejection is someone going to be really cross with me is someone going to take the piss Mm. you know is someone going to exploit me is someone going to discover that someone's you know, whatever. So you're absolutely right. It actually takes a huge amount of bravery as an autistic person just to keep going on a day-to-day basis. And mm. there's no surprise mm. Then so many of us actually don't manage to keep going from day-to-day because, I mean, there are days, I don't know about you, but I'm sure you can share, share this, that, you know, there are days where you yeah. just want to lie face down on the kitchen floor and stop going, stop, stop carrying on. Well, yeah. I'm very lucky. I've, I've got children who, who have yes. kept me going at times. I've got two grown-up adult children now and there right. have been times when um you know they've been the thing that's made me keep it together because i couldn't you know can't afford to 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 let let them down so um yeah Yeah. and you're 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 right i think that's the thing i think people just don't they just don't get about that that thing about being with other autistic people i've just actually come back from a conference in birmingham now it's bonkers you know it's two days the national autistic society's professionals conference it's always exhausting it's always a bit mad there was as ever there was one presentation that was not as 
representative NAS. You know, you look at the slides and the slides is telling one wonderful story and what was actually coming out of the presenter's mouth was something quite else. Yeah. Um, But apart from that, there were lots of autistic people there and there's that real buzz of being with other autistic people and the excitement and the chat. Yeah. the, The shared kind of... Oh, let's talk about stigma and disrupted identity and all this yeah. kind of stuff. And, and I could I watched it on Twitter as people came down from the excitement of being with all, all our kind of yeah I would yeah. Say, well, we are friends, and we maybe maybe Twitter friends, but like comrades would that be a good word? Comrades. We are comrades. We have been made comrades in yeah. because of the politics that uh, that came. We only no one is interested in being comrades because we're so you know self focus and we do make friends have relationships but we find ourselves a socio-political group and comrades because of the way the society is it makes you into a comrade yeah and of course being friends with janine booth we're all comrades oh, yeah, of yeah. magnificent yeah, janine you know this focus yeah. you know yeah. but that's quite that's quite a, a thing so you i in answer to your question the the way i've grown up is this sort of straight white heterosexual alpha male thing um it was always about uh i was in saturday mornings my parents fed me a strict diet of valiant and battle comics which were obsessed with the murder through knives and guns and explosives of german and um japanese soldier males you see you never murdered women there wasn't like Percy the pervert page where he sneaked up on some unsuspecting female. It was always men attacking men, you see. And my, my brother and I took this on board and grew to be <laughs> healthy, level-headed, safe human beings <laughs> with, with heterosexual aggression under control. <laughs> and they wonder what's wrong with society. But yeah, I, always, I was always lucky in that respect because I always t- seen the whole thing as one almighty challenge, which it has been. And I'm still sort of decommissioning the mechanism inside me, this Terminator robot I built myself into the early 80s to get out of Liverpool, to get to London and to live the life I have. And even now, I've got this loud voice and aggressive presence and the things I say, like the joke I mentioned when we first spoke, and the first thing I do is present this heavy-handed thing about myself. Because that was the technique, you see, to survive. And a lot of women, of course... The situation they're born into, they can't do that. They don't have this benefit that guys have got to be a brutal bugger and bang, bang. You know, Unless you come from my hometown of Liverpool, which is the kind of women I grew up with. Go on. <laughs> or Scotland. Well, so for, well, well, this is the thing. I was born in Glasgow, and of course we don't do cute in Glasgow. So, <laughs> uh, but but um, let's flip that around then. So yeah. for a lot of autistic women and yeah. girls... Um, and when, was, when we're talking about women and girls, I'm going to I'm going to just try and find a way of defining that here that yeah. makes sense. Um, so, so, so for for me, when when people identify as women, to me they're just women. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I, I don't question yeah. if they want to identify as women. Yeah. So, oh, and um, so that's that's one thing. And um, the other thing, I'm aware that um, some people uh, identify as non-binary. Right. And, and, and I absolutely respect and support those people as well. So people of minority genders. However, my experience is as a, as a female who who grew up at a time when there was no such thing as non-binary. So mm. we didn't. We had quite limited choices. Actually, yes. I was very involved in in in, in, um, in uh, feminism. I was very involved in the um, final stages, the tail end of second wave feminism. I was very okay. involved in, in student politics. I, yes. I helped found a, a, a women's group at Glasgow School of Art. 
I was president of my students' union for two years. I was on mm. this national committee really? and that national women's committee yeah, and all this. Yeah. I helped to run a gender, a sexual politics conference in Edinburgh, groundbreaking sexual politics conference yeah. in 1983. Wow. And it was gay men, lesbians, uh, trans people, feminists, and we all came together to talk about what is this thing about, you know, yes. what, what, what the issues around sexuality and gender. Yeah. And it was, an, it was a great event, actually. It was really interesting. But... And I've talked about this quite a lot recently um, because I, there's a whole area that I think would be really interesting about how we, in a way, and it does relate to what you just said, Paul. Yeah. I know it sounds like an off at a tangent here a Not wee bit, all, but no, something about the performance of gender yeah. that we almost have to make a decision about, you know, because because we don't, by nature, necessarily um, relate to the gender stereotypes are being presented with. Yeah. So it's almost like, you know, my choices were be a man, be a woman. Mm. And it's almost like I picked being a woman almost as another form of masking, but the only way that made, that it made it tolerable for me was the, was the idea of being a feminist woman. Mm. Because for me, feminism was about challenging gender stereotypes, right, yeah, yeah. the boundaries of what it meant to be female and what it meant to be male, and trying to blur those boundaries and kind of push them outwards rather than strictly defining them. So yeah. for me, it was all about... If, choices and living the life that you wanted to live in 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 that gender role if you like that embodied experience of being yeah. female um and and um right so um so if you flip around what you were talking about in terms of your kind of what, what some people would describe as toxic masculinity so people like beth hooks would probably define it as toxic masculinity that aggressive you know let's kill and let's be you know the flip side of that is for a lot of girls and uh, and women, it's quite hard to know what you're supposed to say no to, when you're supposed to say no, what boundaries you're supposed to set, mm. because you spend an awful lot of your formative years learning, trying very, very hard to please other people and meet their expectations mm. and right. fit in. And it can be really hard then to sort of say no or to say, well, hang on a minute, I'm not comfortable with this. Yeah. And I know a lot of autistic girls and women who've actually ended up having sex with people they really didn't want to have sex with because they actually didn't know how to, to say no without getting into trouble or mm. hurting the other person's feelings. Or So there's a flip side to, you know, the, the, the gender role that you you were taught. Um, there's, a, there's a flip, you know, that is, I would say, the flip side of that for, for a lot of girls and women. It may be true for some males as well. I'm sure mm. that's true. Um, because that's what you do with it is the thing you've got to take it into feeding your family and looking after people that kind of bravery and aggression and force you see but it can of course go completely the wrong way it's it's this thing about I developed a personality as an alibi for how I was Yeah. and that's how I've been behaving ever since and I'm still trying to modify that but it's very hard to do that because of my age it is hard to change a great deal I mean I I mean, I make jokes about it, and I've, in some of my presentations recently, I've actually been quite explicit that I'm still trying to make sense of my gender. Yeah. At my advanced age, I'm mm. still not quite sure. You know, I've sort of been dating again over the last kind of year okay. or so, and yeah. I, you know, most of the men my age, they still, they, they just have such old-fashioned ideas. You know, and mm. in relationships, they still have this very transactional idea around the relationships between men and women. <laughs> you know, like. You know, they pay they pay for the dinner and you do whatever it is. You're, you know, you run around serving them, you know. So, <laughs> and, you know, and it's like, I'm just going, no, I'm not. I'm sorry, mate. I'm not. Yeah. I pay for the food. That. You do the kinky. Yeah. <laughs> That's how my mind works. We're never going to get together, mate. You know? <laughs> 
just Bear in mind, I married a pocket battleship. I absolutely married a pocket battleship and a science teacher. Extraordinary woman. Just sits in the corner and tells me to shut up all the time. She's great. She's physically <laughs> incapable of compromising herself and her own self-integrity. She's absolutely monolithic. I married her as fast as I could. She's amazing. Well done. Absolutely. Well done. She cannot, she cannot compromise herself as a person. Lives her entire life like that. Thank you. And then she goes into schools and does nothing but care about other people and supporting them and her Christian beliefs as well. And yet she marries a man who laughs in the face of Jesus, who is a Buddhist. You know, it's extraordinary. It's interesting you mentioned LGBTI, gay people, and the, the kind of groups who were forced, whether they liked it or not, to work out a whole belief system and perspectives. The women's liberation movement from Mary Wollstonecraft, it ended up sharper than that, more rock and roll, because it wasn't fun enough in the bloody 70s, so you invented the phrase feminism, you know. Oh, that was the whole, that's the whole thing about my gorilla aspies, of course, and the stealth aspies. You have to come up with these paradigms, these models that were more rock and roll, more fun for the whole, yeah, for the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. Still got to work on that because feminism, again, has got this kind of fairly, um, well, the, the term women's liberation seems to be coming back into vogue, which I quite like, actually. Women's liberation is about liberating people, isn't it? People really misunderstand the meaning of the term feminism. It just means for women. It doesn't mean anti-anything. It doesn't mean man-hating. It just means for women. Um, however, yeah, we need to... Um, we need to kind of look at the branding, really. It's all got become very, it's all become very polarised at the moment, which makes me very yeah. sad, actually. Yeah. Um, I remember and, reading and also, a year ago that a woman couldn't find one single definition for the same feminism. I just think that I don't lie awake at night wondering if a woman is going to beat me up, rape me, or murder me. And I think this has got a lot to do with a very great deal. The idea that you're still finding situations where women aren't getting paid the same thing that men are in the equal situation but we're still finding these situations and we don't know what's going on in the Middle East or third world countries. That's right. And it's that simple, really. It's, it's not so much politics as raw human hand-to-hand -hand survival yeah. in the real world. Bringing me back to Swan. Now, how did the first Swan group start? Actually, people meeting and were. Okay, so what happened was I met Aileen Wendy Dunlop in 2012, yeah. just after the launch, relaunch of the, well, the launch of the Scottish government's um, Scottish Autism Strategy. Yeah. And an organisation called Autism Network Scotland was kind of rebooted and given new funding and new yeah. branding and all the rest of it. And I, I met them. I met Aileen Wendy Dunlop from Strathclyde University, who was in charge of Autism Network Scotland. And I said to her, you know, I think we could do with a women's network yeah. because I'd done my PhD on Asperger's Girls and Anxiety and I was right. becoming increasingly aware that there were going to be quite a lot of autistic women out there, if you like, who might need some kind of support or, you know, and, um, and she said, what a, what a great idea. So she asked her newly appointed coordinator to mm. help me set up this group. Yeah. So we had a room in, we had free use of a room at Strathclyde University once a month. Right. And she, they invited, I think, about six women that they knew through the existing autism kind of advocacy kind of networks mm. to, to come. And we got together in a room in Strathclyde University and we plotted how we were going to change the world and that's yeah. that's how we started and we we've kind of yeah. evolved over over the years in a kind of almost just we've just evolved i mean what, yeah. we, we we did some things very early on we got our aims together we got our conditions of engagement together yeah. um we kind of went well what do we want to want to do and the first things we did was we actually created a couple of leaflets one was 
um, a guide to healthcare professionals when working with autistic women. Yeah. And the other one was hints and tips for autistic women as patients. But the first one was really the groundbreaking one because we put that together. One of the group actually put it together just by taking some of the text from some of the minutes of our first meetings. Yeah. And she put this leaflet together and she came out with a kind of logo and she got a graphics designer friend to actually make it into a proper logo. Um, we we sat at one day, you know, the whole group of us, we went through the text and we edited it and then I formatted it and then, hey, presto, there was this leaflet that I know women have used to take to their GPs because the basic mm-hmm. message is, you know, if a woman comes and tells you she thinks she might be autistic, kind of believe her. Mm-hmm. because if you don't believe her you're just wasting mm-hmm. her time and yours mm-hmm. and actually you know if you believe her then you can give her your expertise and give her some help basically also you get some... women who can't even get as far as the gp because they really yeah. are autistic and it's the idea of facing somebody and there's all i would imagine this huge structure of how to socialize and all the anxiety to simply get to that point so what you yeah. did was create snakes and ladders you created a way a ladder you go straight up it yeah, well, it does seem up. to have helped some women. I mm. know that the, the in fact, our, our, our key, um, I, I shouldn't say that, she she did take over running the Glasgow meetups, and there's a whole lot of wonderful women running that meetup now, but yeah. she was the one that really built it up to what it's sort of become, um, Ronnie Casement, and she got in touch with Swan to say, I really want to give something back. Have you got any jobs for me? Because what happened was she'd been knocked back by her GP. She'd come across Swan. She downloaded the print leaflet, printed it off. She'd taken it to her GP. And in the back of handing him that GP, or her, that GP, um, they'd sent her for a referral and she'd got her diagnosis. And she came back to Swan like 18 months later or something and said, what can I do? And so she now runs the Glasgow Meetup Groups and she was also our paid um, under our peer mentoring uh, project coordinator. Um, so it has it has been effective. It doesn't mean it's all plain sailing because we still have lots of reports from women saying, you know, they're still struggling um, to get to get access to that assessment process. But um, and sometimes even when they do, they get told they're not autistic because they've got too much eye contact or they've got a boyfriend or they've got a job or whatever. But, <laughs> oh, Wearing trousers, yeah. You don't have heels so then, on. You don't need a pocket calculator. You, you like, you like, you like Doctor Who. Come on, what, what is this? You know, how do we know you're female? For goodness' sake, your IQ is huge. So, so we moved from that to realizing that a lot of women were getting t- touch with someone who really just wanted to meet other other autistic women. And yeah. I went through a phase of kind of like organizing activities based things. So we went to the Scottish Owl Centre. I organized a tour, a guided tour around the New Riverside Transport Museum, that kind of thing. But that wasn't really my strong point and it wasn't I wasn't wasn't what I most wanted to do really and then um Lynn Moffat one of the other founding members of Swan and the other woman who was involved at the t- another woman who was involved at the time they said we want to set up a meetup so they were responsible for actually setting up the first of the Swan city center right. let's just get people together and right. of course that has just taken off massively and we now have face to face meetup groups every month in mm. Edinburgh, Glasgow, Aberdeen, Dumfries and Galloway. We're about to start another one in Stirling. We're about to start another one in Elgin. And, of course, we've got our online forum, which has about 300 people in it. So, you see, this was the bit I was waiting for. When, after all this rational, sensible ideas, they actually get human beings together in one space. And I knew that was the dynamite moment when everything changed because actually... Yeah simply yeah. having a safe, the autistic space yeah. and getting it working for all these women 
yep. would just change. I mean, we did that. When we did Stealth Aspies. We there were reports of people, women. Um, but that's just because the way you guys express your emotions so openly compared to men, goodness knows how we affected males who wouldn't show it, weeping at the back of the venue because they saw themselves in a way they never thought they'd find themselves, ever. You know, we were doing reading on the stage and I couldn't go into character. I had all these different people and I could hardly do them because I was so finding myself in these different people that I couldn't put on a, I, I tried to put on a voice or body language and it was very difficult to have a characterization. You know, because I was just, yeah, sorry. No, no, I was just going to say, we, we do also run, because it's run by volunteers, because was, um, for various reasons, we felt we had to, it had to be women who are 18 years upwards. Yeah. Um, however, we know there's a desperate need for this for the younger age groups. So we, we also run meetups for what we call young swans, 15 to 17. And we just ask yeah. that they bring a mother with them or another adult kind of person, another female. So we, mm. with those meetups, we have three going on. So we have the adult women, we have the younger women, girls and then we have the, usually their mums at another table so it's almost like three peer support meetups but I have to say the first one was actually it just blew us away there were I think there were there were just the four girls yeah. and they came with their mums and there was a kind of the adult group as well and yeah. and they were just, you know just typical teenagers and autistic and they were completely yeah. stony faced and the, you know they all came came in separately kind of with that look on their faces like I have no idea why I'm here, and this is so embarrassing. Oh, yeah, yeah. And really quickly, they just relaxed. Their faces lit up. There was a high five. They were smiling. They were chatting away. And then, of course, we were watching the mothers' faces. I tell you, we were we were crying because, yeah. you know, one of the mothers came out afterwards yeah. in tears. She just went, but my daughter doesn't do that. My daughter doesn't make friends. Yeah. And no, it was very moving, like really, really moving uh, time just to see the impact of of girls meeting other autistic girls and, and just, yeah. I, I mean, it is. It's, it's just is amazing. Like so I say, what, it's, what it's, you're describing is everything from empowerment, positive community to the development of mental health. This thing about yeah. being out of the closet. All the models that LGBTI gay people have given us to inherit it turned out they were universal models of experience. And now you're describing these young women being saved. And well, actually, you and I weren't. We didn't have any of this. I didn't know I was autistic I was 41. And even then, joining the social groups in London, I didn't have uh, anything apart from the books and going on the first two autscapes. And even then, it's taken all these years to develop. With the show, it's now in its sixth year. And it's an organic thing, and it's always changing, you see. So yeah, what, that's great. this conversation now and everything you tell me, which is absolutely, I mean, this is gold, this is dynamite, this is history. And, and you've done something to other people's lives on a scale no one else ever has. I mean, you created this, you got together with others and you did something. That, oh, my God. You know, and, and where are all these bloody people in the Autism One conference? Where's all these people who think it's vaccines? Where are all these people in Autism Speaks? They even remotely understand what is going on here. You know, does it matter where it comes from? Is it a disease, disorder? We're a, just a variation in human. We're just a bloodline, bloodline all over the world. It's no big deal. This idea of the purebred Aryan brain is also clever and capable. And some people are made autistic. Some people aren't. Some people are gay. Some people aren't. You know, the idea of the doing different bodies, different brains, it's simple as that. It's not complicated. But there's a whole world out there that rejects it. 
Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be complicated, and it, yeah. it's it's you know some some as people this isn't a this isn't an original quote from me, but this yeah. idea that autistic as autistic people we often survive because we're autistic, not as, not despite being autistic. I mean, I wouldn't be doing the work I'm doing. Mm. I mean, I, Paul, thank you for the really kind things that you're saying, <laughs> and I do appreciate your support. I do very much. Um, but I wouldn't be doing what I was doing if I wasn't autistic. I wouldn't. You know, it's the tenacity and the determination yeah. that get your yeah. teeth into something you can't let go of because. Because yeah. actually, it's your passion. Yeah. Um, you know that that's an autistic trait. I've always found throughout my life that I've done my best work. I can't have a relationship and work as well. It just doesn't seem to work. Right, and right. Yeah. And that's because I'm autistic. And actually, yeah. if I if I don't have something that I'm passionate about, if I don't have something to pursue with 120 percent and put all my abilities, then I actually kind of pine. I'm not good at yeah. just. I can't, you know, I yeah. actually discovered years ago that if I don't keep my, my brain whizzes away like uh, nobody's is, nobody's business. When I got my diagnosis, the psychologist who diagnosed me said, not only is my, do I have a very powerful processor, I have yeah. a very, very fast one. And I thought that actually makes sense because, in fact, what I had realized throughout my life is that if I don't keep my brain productively engaged it gets itself into trouble yeah and you know i need that focus i need something that i can engage with keep my mind occupied get me thinking get me creating you know because otherwise i i do i get i get depressed and i get anxious and i get a bit paranoid and i get you know so my brain needs something positive to put all that energy into so i'm very lucky i'm being lucky it's autism so it's fantastic So you've defined yourself as an intelligent woman. That's what that means, by the way. <laughs> All the properties. And another thing is that you notice when you're autistic, you can pursue the, the buzz. You see, yeah. if you go, your energy, they always talk about OCD, OCD oh, you get depression, obsessive compulsive is a, is a disorder that hurts you. But if you uh, energy, your obsessive energy goes in the right direction, it's beautiful. It's a buzz. Yes. It's euphoria. Yeah, it's I get that, that as well. Now I'm yeah. in my 50s. The, my old capacity to get really stoned and my energy has died off. But I'm yeah. still keeping it alive. And I've got the techniques for doing the work I'm doing in later yeah. life. Yeah. And one of the, I, I don't know about you, but I, I feel like one of those old gay men who in late, later life found himself venerated, but in early life was like a pervert, you know, because you, yeah. you had to stay in the closet all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Do you find... Yeah. Yeah. I think that makes sense. I think that makes a lot of sense. I think I find it quite bewildering still. I find myself scratching my head that I'm actually being valued for being who I am and what I do. And I'm actually, for the first time in my life, I'm actually working to the maximum of my capabilities. Actually, I'm working mm. too hard. It's got, it's got to slow down. But, you know, there's just that sense of I'm actually am stretching myself to the best of my, my potential and I'm valued for it. That is an extraordinary thing. I'm in my 60s now. Yeah. And, you know, so this has happened very late on in life, but I'm not, I'm not sorry at all because it could so easily not have happened. I mean, my children say this to me, my elder daughter, especially when I'm complaining about how tired I am. I've got too much work to do. And she just goes, Mom, you have an opportunity to do your best ever work so mm. don't knock it keep doing it mm. as long as you can because you know you might never have got to do this and she's absolutely right and another um, thing is you got to remember it's done Swan, Swan has got how many groups now five was it and there's going to be more coming you can't stop the good work you've started it's it's on it's been going for years, mate. You can if you stop doing all that now, don't worry about it because you were right in the first place, and the women you work with were right, and all the people who support you were right. There is a universal reality at play here, and it's actually happening, and people are getting drawn into it. Thank goodness for that, you know. Oh, to do it's such a 
such a, do you know, I, honestly, recently I was at some event and I'd met, oh, it was the National Autistic Society Women's Conference in yeah. September and I'd met some more autistic women and some yep. more young, really younger yeah. autistic women. Honestly, went home and literally I did a really happy, flappy dance. I put on some loud music and I was just dancing and I was just <laughs> so happy because yes. you're absolutely right. My work is almost done because yep. there's some fantastic younger women coming up now who are so smart and capable and passionate and 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 just you know and yeah absolutely the next generations are coming up Paul. Right. we're going to be able to retire soon the built right? on our shoulders you see we got that with the performance field there's two young men from america george stews anders lee i inspired anders to put a show together called dummy when he came to see mines he came as a comedian and then the george has come over with his magic eight ball show and his next show is confessions of a gay dating aspie and he's going to be brilliant and there's people like that. And, and we had Serin, who is gender neutral in Stealth Aspies last year. Remarkable individual. And what she was doing. And there's always been autistic performers there. But the, what I wanted to do myself was create an ethos. Because yes. you created that just with a group and a bunch of people. And they're just relating to each other. And I, Yeah, but I was trying to <laughs> market it and branding these badges and whatever. Uh, the idea being to, to create a certain something that others could build on that's that's right yeah. that's right yeah. no that's great it's great it's yeah. a really really good idea it's a really powerful idea and as you say it's a legacy you know you can you can pass that on as a legacy no i think i think it's absolutely brilliant and there are other there are other individuals as well i mean it's people like D dean beetle and yeah. you know i think i mean he's a performer um, yeah he's a performer he sings <laughs> Like, he does these songs, it's great. He does these songs. He does. <laughs> but, but, songs. but his speech, his stuff he does as well when he gives talks is also very good. And he, he manages to combine that humour with mm. the serious points. Um, yeah. I think what I would like to say is that what we do need to do is be really careful of some of these younger ones because of watching people burning out, people like Sarah Jane Harvey, for example. Yes. You know, and, and I, I, I met one of the younger women who I met last year, I met again at the conference just now in Birmingham, and I said to her, you have to look after yourself mm. because we need you for the long term. You know, yeah. we need to look after our younger ones and make sure that they don't burn out. This or is an interesting... So Interesting thing you've mentioned because I, I know, sir, I'm out of the Autism Arts Festival, we keep in touch, and it is quite obvious to me that there needs to be special pastoral care and support. Yes. For how to look after yourself, particularly in the world of social media, which is full of yep. people trying to psychologically damage you, burn you out, yep. and actually assault you and offload yeah, this. Quite deliberately. Quite deliberately. Really quite deliberately, yeah. And yeah. I, I mean, I have tried to to, to say say to people, please try not to let this. To, 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 please try not to 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 rise to the bait because that's what they're trying to do. But I've been there and done it myself. I know sometimes it's just impossible. You, you know, especially if it goes on month after month after month. I mean, sometimes you just snap and then and then they've got you. Um, yeah, I don't know what we do. I mean, at one point I was kind of trying to talk about setting up a kind of support network for women advocates i mean people who were running their own groups or doing their own but actually it would just in a way for me at the moment i don't have the added capacity and i don't know quite yeah. how to make that work because we're all very different as well you know we don't necessarily all have um the same approach to things and i think that's another really important thing i mean i you know i love what you're doing and it's a very 
it's very you, you know, <laughs> and you, you, you do you really, really, really Thank well. You. And that's that's great. And not everyone's going to be able to do what you do. They might do something a bit different. So Dean might do something that's more Dean. And then, yeah. do you know, we've all got different roles to play. And I think it's really, really, really important that we recognize and acknowledge that and actually lift each other up. Because yeah. just because you're doing something different to me, it doesn't mean you're wrong. You know, it means you're doing, you're taking your space and you're doing your thing. We, we really... We have to be able to support each other as autistic advocates. There's an awful lot of, you know, elbows out, competition. I'm there more is. advocacy than you are. Oh, you God. Know, <laughs> you know, all that stuff needs to go. You know, I mean, it's fine to have healthy debate, but it, it's keeping it healthy on social media is the difficulty. I find um, everyone that on the scene, and certainly like Brighton and Edinburgh, is very supportive and, and they all relate to each other. And there isn't really a scene, but the few people who are around, they're all glad to see you and have a laugh with you, which is, which is the thing. So, is there anything you'd really like to, to say about... I mean, Swan is easily found online, isn't it? Women yep. can find it very easily and everything. Yeah. Uh, Dinah's coming up to see you in Edinburgh this year. She's yes. going to come up today. Ooh, Dinah yes, will be excellent. there, yeah. Excellent. Um... I'll tell you what else is coming to Edinburgh. No, I don't want to kind of pitch, but you know, The Dark. Do you know, Reed, I've seen Reed it twice. Dark. Yeah, I've seen Matt Ree twice. I've seen the show twice. Brilliant! It's going to be on yeah. that school around the corner from where I'd be staying. What's it called? That school that's on the cobble. There's a cobble street, and I can't remember what it's called. But they've got a it's really not Muir, is it? the witch. It's not Barrowmuir School, is it? No, it, it's a really good venue in the dead centre, just on the edge of one of the bridges. It's great. It's, I'm really oh. glad the doc's in there as well. Yeah. Magnificent monologue by a lady who identifies herself as being on the spectrum. On the quiet. Shouldn't say that. It's true. Yeah. She has said. Yeah. But yeah, it's a bit tricky though, because she's a working professional actor. And you've got to be careful who you tell that you're neurodiverse. I mean, look what happened to uh, Anthony Hopkins. Oh. <laughs> Daryl Hannah. Oh. oh. <laughs> Those poor people, you know. I mean <laughs> it's like Chris all Packham. Chris Packham. All the trouble that Jodie Foster had to go through her entire life before she finally came out. And during her coming out she speech, she, she actually said she didn't reckon she'd be getting as much work as she used to. <laughs> but she's still working. Yeah, the world again, uh, but I, Jodie Foster, I'm a huge fan of Jodie Foster because, you know, she's, she, never, she never takes on a duff part, does she? I mean, all the films no. that she's in, she's very careful about the parts that she, mm. she takes on. Mm. Um, so yeah, no, I really, really like her. I think I've got a lot of time time for George Foster. Um, so what else? Well, the key thing at the moment really is that we've had some funding from Scottish government to run our under our wing peer mentoring project. And that was really about taking the peer support that one step further and actually training autistic women up to to feel uh, skilled and confident about actually mentoring other autistic women. And we've had yeah. that externally evaluated, yeah. and we're still we're still kind of. Um, taking some of our learning from that. That was a fantastic thing. Yeah. We're going to be applying for more funding to pursue that. And I think my thing at the moment is that I'm not abandoning the older women by any means, but I kind of feel, as you said, you know, we've got groups going, we've got our online forum, and um, where yeah. we I think we really need to start focusing some attention is in the schools now because so many autistic girls are still, you know, dropping out of school or yes. you know, serious health problems and, yes. and all this. And I'm also talking to some autistic men about supporting them building yeah. 
you know, more of a network for that's inclusive of uh, people who aren't women. Mm. Um, so, you know, as a men's kind of network or a mixed network. So those tragically like, afflicted with not being female. Yeah, those tragically afflicted <laughs> with not being female. Yeah, and poor souls. Oh, so, you I mentioned before mentoring supporters, people who mentor the mentors. Well, I think you don't have to worry about getting a group like that together because we are it, really. And through the podcast, people people who are like that, we tend to find each other online and meet up. Yeah. You know, So that that's just the thing that if we all get together and, and keep in touch. And competitive autism is yet to... It's like that's something for the people who hate being autistic and those people who are constantly trying to... Oh, it's a disorder. Oh, we're not tr- you're not truly autistic unless you're unable to speak and you're going to need lifelong support. Mate, you're the same thing as me if you can say that on social media. They don't really think about that. It's weird, isn't it? Well, I think there's, I think there's no doubt some people do have higher support needs. Yes, they do. But yes, it's a bit like that woman who I said, you know, can say, how did you overcome? Well, I didn't overcome. I just grew up. Yeah. Uh, but, you, you know, there is an element of, of learning to survive as well, as, yeah. as we've also discussed. Yeah. But I do genuinely feel, I, I don't know what it's like to be totally incapable of expressing my needs. But I know when I was younger, um, there were all sorts of times and places where I couldn't even work out what I felt myself, never mind actually ex- explain them to someone else. So I have a sense of what that issue around um, being able to communicate at any given time and surely I'm better situated to articulate that than someone who hasn't experienced it at all i.e. as an autistic person as opposed to someone who isn't autistic who actually just doesn't get it at all the other thing we're doing at the moment is we're we've got some funding from Scottish government to do some employment stuff in Scotland yes for us. and so that's quite good and I'm also involved in the sort of steering committee for the new Scottish government's campaign which is to raise or improve understanding of autism within the wider mm. community so I'm doing a lot of work on that kind of front and do you know my, my, for Swan I just want money do you know? mm. <laughs> I want more money I want to make sure the Swan is mm. sustainable I would like to get some staff in place yeah. in an ideal world it would be brilliant to actually have a drop-in centre of some kind where we could run all sorts of activities but that's maybe pipe dreams well but it's not really... a pipe dream what is really weird about that point is that there this is not some small thing that's only just turned up. We've always been part of humanity and we always will be, no matter how much people waste their time and money on interventions and cures without a plan B, like what if yeah. this frame of reference doesn't work? Who's going to need places? Why aren't there bloody social places? I, I don't, I actually, it's a really good question, Paul, because I, I look at some of the charities and organisations that receive huge amounts of funding and I go, why can't we access that? Well, I think we probably can. I just It's how we go about that. Yeah. I think one of the things, of course, Scottish Autism brilliantly and generously agreed to second to my post with them to run SWAN full-time for three years. And that's what my role now is, is to find ways of making SWAN actually sustainable in the long term. We have had some bits of funding from Scottish Government and get a lot of support, but yeah. I really want to scale that up because we could do an awful lot more. And the need is still there, you know, to go into schools, for example, to get these autistic girls through their adolescence into a healthy adulthood, to get all these autistic women who are currently in employment doing do, you know, really struggling, make sure that they're supported properly and accommodated yeah. and they can stay and, and, and work, etc., etc., etc. So it's still a huge amount to do, but, but you know, I think we're getting... Are we getting there? There's a huge amount to do, but we're definitely making taking steps forward. And as you have rightly pointed out, just getting autistic people together mm. and getting 
getting a sense of mm. who they are and a bit more confidence. That in itself is going to have huge reverberations um, going on. I mean, these are some of these women are going to be women who are parenting their autistic children yes. in a way that we we wouldn't recognise. Yeah. Because, you know, yeah. I don't know about you, but my my mother was just so desperately kind of wondering why on earth she we didn't seem to fit any norms yeah. that she understood, and and she hated all that. She just kept going, "Why can't we be normal? Why can't we be normal? Well, well, what's normal, Mum?" The thing <laughs> is, I had an autistic father who was very very good at, at coping and camouflaging and great fun at the time. Uh, and my mum produced an autistic daughter on her side, who is hilariously autistic, very successful grandmother, businesswoman. You know, loves animals, trains people in doggy grooming, runs a company, cannot cannot retire. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah, the age is superhuman. Yeah. You know, it's one of those bloodlines. There are different bloodlines. Obviously, people who are always going to need support. People who get depressed. They can't relate. Yeah. It's all social and it's all individuals. Funny that it's kind of like non-autistic people. The same thing goes on with them. I wonder why that is. That's fine. really weird, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Should we leave it there then, Catriona? Lovely. Thank you very much for that. I really appreciate talking to you. Thank you. It has been great fun. It's been really, yeah, thank you, Paul. <laughs>